You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Welcome to After The Show, listeners. Welcome, Sid Talk. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? What's, Good. What's new? What's before the show? Mm, what was before the show? You were watching some Edgar Wright. I was. Talking. He directed and wrote this movie. You were complaining that there's a noise outside of the house because yeah. precious podcasters here. Precious podcasters were so important. The world needs to shut up. Yes, we so shut did up. that. <laughs> and you made a cup of tea. Very yeah. exciting stuff. All good, though. Very nice. <laughs> so it is Saturday, November the 27th. Is it happy anything this week? Happy Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. but it's already gone. It's so, over and done with. Just happy November. Happy end of November, everybody. <laughs> Correct. This is After the Show. We're a movie review podcast, and the movie we're looking at this week on episode 712 is Last Night in Soho. It's a 2021 movie. You can watch it now on VOD. There'll be a Blu-ray 4K later this year. It's rated R, and it's from our friends at Universal who let us watch a copy early. Sitar, you give us the synopsis of the movie Last Night in Soho. Hmm, that's a tough one because I'm a little confused. I know the story is a lady, a young lady, who has maybe some mental health issues and also gets the vibe about something bad that's happening in London when she travels there for the first time to go to fashion school. Is that good? That's pretty good. I'll give you the one off the uh, <laughs> off the box. It's probably the same, to be fair. An aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. But the glamour is not all it appears to be, as things start to crack into something darker. Mmm, what's the crack? Crack, crack, crack. I hear you. Are you 12 years old? (laughs) All right, so last night in Soho, what did you think? Edgar Wright, one of my favourite filmmakers, new movie. I enjoyed it. The end. I did enjoy it. I mean, it still had its moments of like, hmm... What are we trying to say here with the story? Maybe I was over maybe I was overthinking it, but I enjoyed it. It was gorgeous. It looked to look at. It got my mind going. And I'm like, ooh, what's happening? So I always enjoy that. It's gorgeous, definitely gorgeous to look at. Yeah. Uh, I was just reading an interview with him, inspired by again, another movie this year, inspired by the Italian Giallo movies. Do you remember we watched Malignant? Mm-hmm. That was inspired by these 1970s, the way they lit and the way they look, Dario mm. Argentino movies. This was also inspired by that kind of thing. A lot of stabbing, let's say. I Spoilers. didn't think you said that, but I didn't really feel like that. It was only one clump there. It was one clump, but it was enough of a clump for me to be like, oh, stabbing's the worst for me. Oh, okay, because it didn't even, I wouldn't even remember there was <laughs> stabbing in this movie after it's all over. There's a clump of stabbing, let's say. A clump, but like two minutes, less than two minutes? Yeah, enough stabbing um, for me to wince a little bit. Stabbing makes me wince, right, in movies. Shooting doesn't make me wince at all for some reason. Am I immune to it? I don't know. Well, you do do games where you're shooting people constantly. Right. Um, Stabbing in the eyes is the worst. I can barely take it. Well, that sounds bad. (laughs) So that's my, uh, you know, different levels of nastiness this isn't gory horror movie anyway. no 
This is more of a stylish, I would say. It is a good example. His last movie, Baby Driver, was a stylish music-infused take on a heist-slash-car chase movie. And this one is also very stylish, infused with music all the time, and a take on these Italian giallo movies. But it's also a ghost story and a... The thing is... Right? People like me, I don't care what it's inspired by, really. I mean, it has direct references and stuff, but that's more of a, like, pretentious thing, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Is that just me? Like, oh, look, I've made my movie inspired by another movie. Well, it's like, I love this this visual, for instance, like Neon Light. Right, but where did that visual come from? Did that person make it up? Like, if wherever it came from originally, that person... they made person, it famous, those movies. Like, kind of... What I'm saying is it didn't exist until someone did it. And now other people say by doing it, or feel like, or think, or intellectually, you know, whatever. Now, well, if I emulate this, then that makes my thing cool like that thing. Not that it doesn't look good, I'm just saying. Now, this movie, like most Edgar Wright movies, is, apart from Baby Driver, is very British in nature. Mm-hmm. Not just that it's set in Britain. It's got a British kind of, I don't know, air about it. Do you get what I'm saying? Not really. It almost feels like an episode of Doctor Who, even. I know Doctor Who's in it. <laughs> One of the But Doctor it's got Who's. like that mystery, like, is a thing that can be wrapped up. Kind of I think thing. I just completely disagree with you on that, but hey. And it's very quaintly British, you know, like she lives in the country. She goes to the big city. That's part of this movie. Oh, yeah. A young woman goes to the big city, and then there is the horrific men men preying on female-to-be-prostitute theme that is not new. It is very, very common, and yet it's always like, yeah. But this time, like, you know, in these times, let's say, it feels even more gross to me. I felt gross, like, at parts. I was like, why are men so horrible? I would hope that it would always feel gross to them. But, you know, I've been, like, reading the gaming news recently with this Activision thing, and it's just all... The world seems gross if you start looking at the certain areas of it, you know? All of us have our innocence taken away in the city. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Newsflash. Spoiler alert. The country people are the same. It's not any different. There's just less of them. Yeah. When you said you don't know... I mean, I didn't either. You know, for, like, the first 45 minutes, I was... Literally, and I think this is a good thing, I was looking at the screen going, I don't really know where this is going. I can't get a handle on what's happening. Yeah, totally. It just seems like there's a girl and she's going to fashion school and maybe she's out of the, you know, fish out of water. I didn't actually... I knew it was going to go dark. I just didn't know the weirdness was going to happen. Yeah, and then when you see the first weird scene, let's say, spoilers, explain what she can kind of do. I don't even know if she can do anything. See, this is what I'm saying about the weirdness yeah, of it. That's she the... goes to sleep. She dreams. Because you're kind of convinced that she has these grandeur ideas. Because we open up by seeing her dancing in a big newspaper dress that she's designed and singing to herself like she's super glamorous and walking down a red carpet. And so this is a young lady with aspirations and like sort of lives in a fantasy world. So you've established that immediately. Like that's the opening credits. Yeah. Then she's going off and she's all sweet and she's got this really sweet voice. And then we know there's tragedy. Her mother has died. Her grandmother's worried that she's going to have more mental health issues because we immediately see that she keeps seeing her mother. 
in the room with her, right? So we know this this young lady has troubles. Yep. And she lives in a fantasy world. She's going to the big city. Grandma's warning her. It's very difficult, right? We don't want you to have a relapse or whatever was the implication. She goes to the big city and then she starts having dreams about sort of an alter ego. Yeah. This young woman who's very strong and very talented and like the men all look at her and it's all glamorous and shit. And then it, the, also the her, 1960s. Yeah, it's in the 60s. And then in her dream, shit goes down where it's like the men aren't like liking her because she's strong and amazingly talented. She just becomes a prostitute. And then over time, these dreams get like to be nightmarish, you know, and then it kind of crosses over to where we're going. Okay, we've been established that this young lady has mental health issues, potentially. And now she's dreaming this stuff that's a fantasy, question mark. Right. But then we're crisscrossing over where it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If she has mental health issues and she's dreaming about or connecting with spiritually something from the past it's a little bit muddy to my in my opinion i mean it is but because she's not going to sleep to then see what happened in the past she's just dreaming it's not a coincidence that she ends up in that bedroom i don't think the bedroom is specifically very special right i won't spoil the ending but she i don't know though i, see, I feel like a i don't force, think there's anything happening. i mean it's not explained but she doesn't end up there just randomly I disagree. I don't feel like anything's happening. It's just a coincidence, but... See, I don't agree with that. I think there are ghosts involved, obviously. I, I mean, don't. It smacks you on the head with, like, what's happening, really. I right, mean, but I don't think there's any ghosts or anything paranormal or anything. So our view of it is so different. Right. Hilarious. And I do think that. I think there are ghosts of what happened in that room, and that's what manifests itself. Hmm. But you can look at it either way. That's the thing, isn't it? And there's, it's not new to movies, is it? There's somebody who's maybe got mental health issues. The Shining is what he's seeing real or not? Not. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, though. You can yeah, take but that, that one movie. is definitely not. Or it could be. <laughs> I mean, The Shining's a prime hey, example. that's what art is all about. The thing I really loved about this movie, it has awesome music from the 60s. I don't know if you know all that music, all of it. No. You know some of it, though, right? Like Downtown. Downtown. Yeah. Da, 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 downtown. And it uses music very effectively. The scenes that involve them dancing in the ballroom. All, yeah. You know, and then it even uses more modern music. When I say modern music, music from the 80s, like Susie and the Banshees, because there's a big club sequence that's in modern day, right? You know, where they're all dressed in Halloween mm -hmm. outfits. So it mixes music really well, which Edgar Wright's famous for that and the visuals are there were some shots and i just watched edgar Wright explaining some shots and i was like wow that simple i thought that was some super duper cg extravaganza that scene in her dreams she is herself and she's this other actress who's playing this this girl but she's not this young lady right so in the scenes it's like really well done where she sees herself in the mirror but then She's standing next to the young lady or behind her or the reflection in the window. It's all really good, but and you think it's all totally CG, but it isn't all, is it? Most of it is not. It's just them like kind of swapping in and out of camera shot while it's going on and live, which I was like, wow, that must take some doing, you know? Especially when you're doing a dance sequence and you're swapping out the partner so it's a different lady each time. 
it seems crazy. But there's also sequences in this visually. I was watching it going, I don't think I've seen this before. There was a part where late in the movie, I'll say, without spoiling the end of the movie, with some stairs and she's going up some stairs Mm. and they're like glass. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It looked amazing. Again, it looked like some kind of CG weird, like acid dream. But I don't know whether it was practical or... There's a lot of really slick camera work where the camera... Even simple shots at the beginning of the movie where they're in the toilets. Do you remember? Where the girls are bitching about her in this other stall. Right. the camera's above them. Yeah. But then it also goes down and then through the wall. Like, it's, it's really odd. Like, it's... I'm often doing that with Edgar Wright's movies. How the hell did he get that camera there? And if you go and listen to him talk about his film stuff, often it's not a CG effect. It's just them being clever with the camera. So... I think technically this movie is cool. Yes. I feel like I haven't seen it quite on the screen, this kind of thing, quite like that before. And I tell you, you know, when she first goes to sleep and she walks down that alley and comes out in the middle of London, it was something else, I thought. (laughs) For a very small, I mean, it's not a big The Avengers special effects shot, but it was like, whoa. Convincing. Yeah, convincing, yeah. But then you also know she's dreaming. Right. So you give it a pass on anything that might not be exactly, like, not perfect, but if it looks a little bit weird or a little bit blurry, you're like, well, she's dreaming, so. See, I want to be vague because I want people to see this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't see the events that happened. I did not see them coming. I don't think it's scary. No. To be fair. And I think some of the ghostly apparitions, let's say they are, are kind of crappy, like Doctor Who looking. If you're thinking about if this person has mental illness and this is what's happening in their mind, I guess it could be anything. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really slick stuff in this movie, but those things kind of stood out to me as being a bit shitty looking. You know, the gray kind of guys. So what did you think about the element of gross men? Uh, (laughs) Oh. Because the movie is like full of that. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's not subtle. When you, no, it isn't subtle, but it is also very specific to the character who has experienced it. You know what I mean? This isn't like an overall generalization that all men are sleazy and terrible. It's just that she steps into a world where that's what's going on. And you're, I'm just like, ooh, just don't go into that world. When you say she steps into a world where that's going on, I feel like that's just the world, right? I don't think all men are gross and sleazy, no. Well, there's always a <laughs> really pocket, don't. though, isn't there, of them somewhere? Like, sure, but that's, the, expect- that's what I'm saying. That's that world. Right. The world where that goes on. And that's the horror here, I guess. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Because I don't find it horror at all. You know what I did feel? I think this movie portrayed really well. You know, because she is kind of a bit naive, maybe, and she just wants to be this, like, oh, we're going to go and be a fashion designer. And then she's in a, you know, living in the countryside. When she does go to London, like those first 20 minutes or so, where she does feel, I got that feeling of, oh, it's horrible, isn't it? You know, she gets this roommate, for instance, who sucks. Yep. I mean, that's just a bitchy woman, so that's nothing to do with the sleazy. But I mean, how it makes you feel like, I don't even know if I can handle all this, like going to class on time, and you see her doing all these things. Which you've all experienced. I, I find it a really good representation of how when you go out from where you've been, wherever that is, I mean, you might have been, 
from a neighborhood inside of London or New York City, but going to another neighborhood or going to another city, it's just as intimidating as her going from the country to the city. It's just a different kind of intimidation. I thought it did that really well, and it does it for about 45 minutes before anything really weird happens. It's just her going to classes, talking to these girls who kind of suck. I wouldn't trust anybody. I don't know about you. No. Like, even the the guy who turns up at college, even him when he's like saying, can we go for a drink or whatever, I'm like, oh God, he's probably sucks as well, right? I just felt like everybody sucked at the beginning. I didn't feel like he did. I feel like he was the one we were supposed to trust immediately. So I I, did, I just kind of hang, hung on to that one. So overall, the story, I really liked the story and I think the ending was quite well executed. I don't know if you... Um... Excuse me, I mean technically, visually, Technically, visually, uh, it goes to say all this movie is executed well, but I think I liked the story. I, I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't thinking that way, and that's kind of a surprise to me. Yeah, I wasn't in love with it. I feel like it was a bit lazy. I just read a couple of other reviews here, on, and people were in the, I liked the first two acts, but the third act kind of ruined it for me. Mm. Whereas I don't feel that way. I feel like it all kept up the same level. Apart from that weird, I don't like where I feel like I've been hoodwinked, but yeah. in a cheap way. Yeah. Not in a clever way, in a cheap way. Like, have you seen the movie Memento? You have, haven't you? Yes. Now that movie, I don't feel like I was hoodwinked in a cheap way, because it's actually kind of great the way they pull it all off. But this movie, it just felt like they threw in a or thing. Or how about The Sixth Sense? Yes. Yeah. I don't feel like I was hoodwinked in that either, because it's all presented to you. It's yeah. just that you don't catch on to it unless well. you think in a certain way. I mean, maybe you do. <laughs> I have a friend who says he knew exactly what was happening, even though yeah. he knew nothing about it. <laughs> I question that personally, but there you go. So let's move on to the cast. Thomasin McKenzie plays Eloise. She's our main character. What did you think? She was really good. Really good. I mean, I'm not a fan of the voice. But I can't attack a person for their voice. It really, it's one of those voices that makes me want to scrawl, crawl out of my skin. But hey, you know. Um, Other than that, it was I what really she was born her. with. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not convinced of that. Like this sort of like thing. And maybe she was just doing it as part of the character, which is fine as well. But not for me. It made me crawl inside me. And I have a thing about certain sounds and voices, and I had to overcome it. Wow. Yeah, it was terrible. That's a critique. Wasn't it? <laughs> and we've got Anna Taylor-Joy, who it was awesome in the movie The Witch. And oh, she, yeah. And she plays Sandy, who is also our main one of our main characters. Mm-hmm. I thought she was great. Very good. You know what really freaked me out a lot? There's one particular dance scene with her where she's like a clockwork doll. Oh, yeah. Well, that was freaky, that whole sequence, right? Was it freaky? It, oh, I don't know. It was freaking me out. Like, it was weird. I mean... <laughs> It was just the visual of it was very strange. Hmm. She was kind of like, I don't know what she was. Well, she was a clockwork doll. Yeah. But she had that weird, like, blusher on her cheeks, and she kind of looked like a robot a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if the she was a wind-up toy. She had a wind-up yeah. thing in her back. I mean, if the whole thing wasn't about sleazy fucking men being sleazy fucking men, then it would have been fine. But it was actually about yeah. sleazy men. And they played and puppet so- on a string at the time when she's... And the idea is the men get to watch this dance and then they get to pick which young lady they get to pay yeah, it's gross. Doctor Who for and then go have sex with them somewhere. And that's what's gross about it. But if it was like 
a performance where people are dressed up, you know, like clockwork toys and stuff that wasn't in that context. It was a little cool. The context just made it feel bad. Made you feel dirty. Yeah. And speaking of Doctor Who, Matt Smith plays Jack. What did you think of Matt this time? It was fine. I mean, could have been anybody, really. He just kind of smoothed her and then he turned into a jerk. I don't feel like that was a big stretch for any performer. I liked his smooth dancing at the beginning with her. That dance sequence was kind of cool. Kind of. Reminded me of John Travolta in Pulp Fiction when he's dancing with Uma. Really? Kind of that slick, kind of, I'm too cool to dance, but I'll dance anyway. Hmm. <laughs> and then we've got Diana Rigg, rest in peace, as Ms. Collins. What did you think of Diana? She was good. This movie she, is she's dedicated intense. to her. She's a little intense, which I like. Yeah. Uh, I always liked her. And Terrence Stamp plays Silver. Who, uh, Silver. Yeah, he's the silver-haired gent, actually. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, Terrence Stamp um, is a classic. I thought he was good here, but possibly underutilized. Um, I don't know. I think it was just right, because it was a, that confusing element. Yeah. So this was directed by Edgar Wright. You all know him from Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, Baby Driver, this movie. I love Edgar Wright, always have, since the beginning. You know, the show Spaced, Sid Talk. You mm-hmm. probably didn't even watch it. Mm-mm. No. That was where him and, you know, his friends started. His friends. I think, let's say, the directing of this movie is incredible, I think. Like, off the charts for me. Mm. Just visually, and I know Edgar Wright's involved in everything here. Like, the music choices, the audio. The whole thing for me was, it works, really, in a big way. Plus, I love neon lights you do and this is full of neon lights you know what else it's full of rain on a window with neon lights there's a lot of that there's a few moments of that yeah yeah so the aesthetic was perfect for me so did you like edgar's directing yes i feel like he specific he has his own world that he creates now if you would have said who directed this i wouldn't know not it's nothing it's not like a wes anderson where you're like uh I know I know that look, right? Right. But getting those performances and that closeness and that sort of intensity from people, I think, is down to a director. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. I mean, I think he does kind of have a vibe to him. Maybe not a visual style, but cutting music to the story has always been a thing, even from Shaun of the Dead. Mm. Remember they have a fight in the pub to Queen's Don't Stop Me Now? You know, yeah. it's all on... It's the thing I like from MasterChef, where they, where they cut in vegetables, but it's to the beat. It's kind of weird. <laughs> well, Edgar Wright loves doing that, so, and it's full of this movie's full of it. So, IMDb reviews. What are those? Those are reviews of these movies on IMDb, where people give them one star, and you like to point them out, and sometimes make funny voices. Yeah, and these are the people who give it one out of ten. They're the opposite people to me. You're not giving it a 10 out of 10. I'm not, but they're, the, they're <laughs> lower. I'm higher on the scale there. Right. So number one says, what a woke movie. White men are all bad. Men mm. of color are great. Women are all victims. That's pretty much it. Don't waste your time. Interesting. <laughs> I knew somebody would see it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Here's another one. Too long and repetitive but nicely shot on location in Soho, London. Started strong, but took a dive 30 minutes into the story. Repetitive angst moments and a predictable ending to show women in distress. 
immature and geared towards girls who see themselves as victims. I mean, I can't disagree on some levels there. I do find it a bit repetitive as in we are, you know, we're not moving the story very far forward through every single scene. You get a lot of like repeating that she's either in emotional distress or she's not. And then she's either having emotional distress and a mental breakdown or she's not. And then she's either having emotional distress and breakdown or maybe she's not. So we get, I do agree with that. And yes, the every time a young woman goes to the city vibe that terrible things are going to happen to her. Yeah. It feels a little, we don't get any contrast to that. She There's even, no one. She even gets kind of attacked almost, not attacked. But, but that could have been in her. She See, gets verbally attacked in the taxi on the we way We don't know to that school. though. Because now you have to think of yeah, every well, single she, thing she heard or saw could have been just her interpretation. Oh, so we like, don't know. It's like that thing from EastEnders the other day. It's yeah. the same thing. The yeah. taxi. He could have said a thing and she just misinterpreted it. Yeah. And there's my final one. You know the feeling when you see an old racist movie? You'll be like, how could humanity be this stupid and ignorant to make this? I think the future generation will have the same feeling when they see this movie. It's utterly stupid and fully racist. Utterly stupid. And fully racist? Fully racist. Not racist. Hmm. I don't even know where they're coming from. Well, the other person said all white men are bad. And then the one, the young man who is nice to her is... I don't think that's racist. Right, is not a white man. <laughs> no, it's like those are the characters. Now, it may be completely overtly on purpose. We don't know because we weren't in the room where they cast everybody, right? Right. But for that to be your first thought means the movie isn't the problem. You're the problem, son. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But I'm just saying the movie is definitely not the problem in that situation. All right, so this was streaming, so we don't have any extras to review, but I'm going to give this a score. I'm going to give this movie One Night in Soho. Last Night in Soho, I'll call it, not One Night. That's a, the sequel. <laughs> I'm going to give Last Night in Soho an 8 out of 10. Wow. I'm going to give it a 7. Ah. Yeah. Looking at Edgar Wright's movies, even. And I love Baby Driver, but I think this one's better than Baby Driver. So, so mm. there. So there you go. Next week, we're going to review another movie, said Talk. <laughs> Shock. I haven't chose it yet. So. Okay. All right, movie recommendations. I'm going on the Edgar Wright tip, and I'm going to give you Scott Pilgrim versus The World. It's an awesome movie. It's like a superhero movie, right? Really, isn't it? You do love it, yes. It's based on a comic book series. It is crazy and insane. And my <laughs> other one is the TV show Spaced. If you haven't seen it, it's where Edgar Wright started. And it's got the same kind of humor as Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. So, spaced. What are yours? Mine are going back to the 80s, and I believe I'm in 1983 at this point. And I'm going to go with Lovesick, which is Dudley Moore and Elizabeth somebody. I always forget her last name. Elizabeth Hurley? He, it is not. Uh, he's a psychiatrist. He falls in love with his patient. He sees, um, what's his name? You know, the white bearded guy who made up all the stuff about mother issues. Sigmund Freud. In the olden times, back in the 80s and the 90s, if a character sees a dead person, essentially, like walking around talking to them, like in True Romance or in this lovesick, 
they're just seeking, like, they're getting advice from a character who can't be in the movie, right? So it's, we don't think of it as, like, a mental illness issue. Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe Clarence had some mental illness problems in True yes. Romance. But, so in Lovesick, that's what's going on. Uh, I don't remember the quality of it, but I do remember it. And then Tender Mercies, which is one of those um, with Robert Duvall. It's maybe dated at this point, but at the time, it seemed really stand out, like, wow, like, that sort of gutty gutsy drama stuff kind of really depressing <laughs> nice yeah all right so a scully stuff i played a new well i've played about the first 15 minutes of a new game called death loop you know that game called returnal that i played earlier in the year so it's, mm-hmm. it's like a loop when it a looping groundhog day situation mm-hmm. you die you come back similar to that not not quite as hard but it's called death loop you're a guy He wakes up on this island, doesn't know why he's there, keeps seeing messages as he walks through the island, like telling him stuff, don't go this way, remember last time? And then he quickly realises that he's in a loop on this island. Every day he wakes up and he wanders, you know, he has to wander around this island trying to figure out why he's there, who he is, what's going on. But he's left himself messages, kind of like Memento with the tattoos. Mm. And he has to go around picking up information figuring out why he's on this island and what it, what is this island and why does he keep waking up from dying. So it's a cool story, but the gameplay is it's from the people who made Dishonored, so it's like it's stealth. There's also some gunplay. But the people on the island don't seem to be real people. They're kind of like automatons. So maybe it's a Truman Show situation or something. I don't know because I've only just started playing it. But it's called Deathloop. It's a PS5 and PC game. And you can get it now. I also finished Grand Theft Auto 3 this week. Remember when I said to you, Sid Talk, I don't remember if I finished Grand Theft Auto 3 back in the day or not. Yes. Well, I definitely finished it because I completely remembered the final mission. <laughs> when the final mission came up, I was like, oh yeah, this is where you go up those steps and you have to shoot a helicopter, which is kind of how it ends. So I definitely did finish it, but I finished it again this week. Started Vice City yesterday. Vice City is such a step up from GTA 3, it's not funny. <laughs> like, everything about it is better. You can see they went, like, uh, all the things that people kind of were annoyed at, we'll fix all that. And we'll also add an amazing soundtrack that every single song that comes on, you're like, wow, how much money did they spend on this thing? So that's Vice City, the definitive edition. And I've also played a lot of Halo Infinite, which is the multiplayer version of Halo which is very fun, and the best part about it is completely free. Just go on Steam, download Halo Infinite, and you can play it. So Sid Talk, what's for dinner? Burger King, Impossible Whoppers, unless you've decided to eat meat all of a sudden, and the only reason I'm telling you what we have for supper is because we're vegetarian, and a lot of people think like, oh, well, what do you eat? Well, we eat a lot of stuff, so that's that. Yeah, and what did we have for Thanksgiving dinner? We had tofurkey, tofurkey gravy. It was yummy. Brussels sprouts, roasted potatoes. It was delicious. There was no meat involved, but it was delicious. (laughs) Give me your advice and then we'll get out of this place. My advice is repeat. I mean, I didn't invent it. It's a repeat from an idea out in the world. It's called let it go. Now, that's very subjective, (laughs) but there are things that can make you, that can get in your mind and rewind and rewind and rewind and rewind and rewind and you just play it over and over and over and over and over. A thing somebody said, a thing somebody did and blah, blah, blah. And it's exhausting and you feel like you're super busy 
because your brain is so occupied by this heavy, weird anchor of thought that's getting flipped around on a big chain and just bashing you inside your head over and over. At some point, just let go of that chain, right? If it's somebody said something shitty and you haven't addressed it and you start to think about it and like, you know what? I, I, I can't change this person, whatever the circumstance, I'm moving on. I'm letting it go. Let it go. Yeah, that. <laughs> um, that was a whole different context. But yeah, that idea that you're in my, I talked to my niece last night and she put it in a better way than just let it go. So maybe I should put it this way. If that thing is filling up your head, just start filling up your head with something else and start pushing it aside. Make the new thing bigger than the other thing, you know? Why did they say that? Why did they do that? What did, I, what did I do wrong? I screwed up. I'm such a screw up. I'm such a loser. I'm such a loser. Oh, wait, but I've done so many good things. My This person loves me and I created this thing and I did that thing and I feel good about myself about this. And the more you do that, it starts pushing aside the other thing. Now, if something is abusive or somebody has actually done something horrific, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about normal daily annoyances that you cannot change or fix unless you confront it maybe and then mend that fence with a person or mend that bridge, whichever analogy you want to do. Or you need to just end that relationship and then that's how you do it is by saying this is what you said and I didn't like it and now I'm done and I'm moving on because I'm letting you go. All right. Thank you, Sid Talk. I'm a genius. Good advice. Mm. Ascully.com is our website. You can also catch us on anchor.fm slash after the show, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music. Do you know all the places that podcasts are available? I don't. Well, most of them have definitely got our our little show on there. Mm. So good good for me, eh? (laughs) And we're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Sid Talk has an email. I also have an email, ascully.com. Well, Sid Talk's email is private because she doesn't want anybody to email it. It's not a big stretch if you think about it. (laughs) That's true. And I say, stay classy, Mr. Edgar Wright. I can't wait to see what's next. And I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you. 